Greetings in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. It's good to see all of you again. This Lord's Day morning. You've been encouraged? Just singing encourages us, doesn't it? And then we uh, reflect on... uh, the love of God, His patience with us, and that inspires us too, doesn't it? Truly, it is think they say there's seven wonders in the world and uh, the love of God is probably should be number one. It's, I don't think they put it on the list, but it is a wonder, isn't it? You know, it's, it's one of those things, the, the wonders of the world are something you look at and it, it's, you can't quite figure it out and it amazes you and you, you look at it and you look at it again. Uh, I think petrified wood is one of them, and and uh, but you know that's that's just some little small part of uh, the entire creation that God made, and uh, so human beings sit around and are amazed and write books about things they can't quite figure out and yet deny the God who made it all and uh, is a wonder that surpasses any of the wonders of the world. <clears throat> so anyway, may we be, may our hearts be inspired again today to love and to follow the Lord, realizing that uh, there is really no other option, is there? Not in my, not in my vocabulary, and hopefully not in yours. <clears throat> All right, turn in your Bibles to the Book of Ephesians, chapter five. Last message we uh, we were focusing largely on verses about eight to ten, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse eleven to verse uh, nineteen, verse twenty. So maybe to begin, we'll just read those verses. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. 
See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe I'll just read verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Maybe we could stand together and have a word of prayer, if we're able. Father, we are grateful this morning as we have been already encouraged and edified and exhorted as We have reflected upon your love and your patience and your faithfulness to us as human beings, as your creation. Father, even in the midst of the the many times that we are not faithful, you are a faithful God. And today again, we, we just quiet our hearts before you a moment here and ask, Father, that the time that is before us, the next hour could again be spent in edification and encouragement and building up of your children. God, do be with us here today. May your Spirit give utterance. May your Spirit give understanding. May your Spirit be our teacher today, Father. Father, grant us also hearts that... Uh, love and desire the truth and to understand it and to love it and to uh, pursue it with our whole hearts. Father, we just do pray a blessing on each one present here. May your uh, grace, may your uh, love and kindness be felt by each one today as uh, we look into your word and receive instruction and edification, Lord. So bless this time, Lord. Just commit this hour to you in the precious name of your Son, Jesus, with thanksgiving. Amen. You may be seated. All right, we'll just take a moment and reflect on the last message before we uh, get into today's message. If you recall... The last message that I shared here, I had an illustration. What was the illustration that I used? In the back. Was it files? You know what? You're going back pretty far. That's good though. That shows that you've got a good memory. Maybe I'm forgetting what I had last time. Two bags of mulch. Soil. Was that the last time? He's shaking his head no. I don't even remember. I did have those up here. That was the last time, wasn't it? It was the last time. I'm thinking of, uh, I had another illustration, another object that time. What did you say it was? A welding helmet. Yes, yes, a welding helmet. What was I trying to illustrate? 
Can you see well when you're looking through a welding helmet? You can't. No, everything's kind of dark and you can just kind of make out the objects. And if you put it up toward light, you can see a little bit better. We were talking the last time in uh, verse 6 of chapter 5. No, verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We were talking about walking as children of light. And we went back into the uh, Old Testament and and uh, kind of uh, looked at what the, uh, you know, sometimes we use contrasts. Okay, we want to talk about light. So if we contrast it with darkness, the light, uh, you know, it just sets it off a bit more. And uh, things become more noticeable. That's why my writing on here is black on a white paper. It sets it off. Uh, if I'd have used white font on here, I couldn't read it. Just that simple. So, light and darkness. We talked about how uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, all of a sudden the human race found themselves at a place where their perception, discernment, their understanding, everything was like looking through a welding helmet. Everything was just dark. And you kind of little, you kind of made, you make things out just a little bit here and there, but it was really dark. Their perception and understanding. And that is, that is where the human race in general is up to this day. Uh, this scripture says here that, uh, ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. We had put an illustration up here, uh, on this board as well, uh, when that, uh, when that, when man sinned, uh, I think we're, Running out of a. Anyhow, we put this illustration up here. I think we better replace the black one, somebody. Uh, and made it all dark, in other words, is what we're aiming for. Uh, you know, it's just black, it's dark, it's clouded, it's, it's hard to discern anything. That's what happened when human, the human race sinned. And then along comes Jesus and, uh, Right in the middle of all of that, this great big light shines, and uh, we have light, clear, bright, right in the middle of it. Uh, And that's the illustration that we have here. Uh, Not going to go to all those verses, but, uh, uh, you know, when it's really, really dark and... You have this one great big light. It illuminates a given area. And that's what, uh, that's what Christ did when He came in, in the human race. He, He, He was, He is the light of the world. He's the light of, uh, uh, if anyone has light, it comes through Christ. And, uh, right in the middle of a fallen human race, the light of Jesus has shone and is shining yet today. And, uh, those who walk in that light can begin to understand and have perception and discernment and of of life, you know, of of uh, purpose and and uh, but as we realize and know that the general 
uh, bulk of humanity is still wandering around in that maze of darkness with a looking through a welding helmet, hardly able to discern things, you know, hardly able to perceive things, and and thus, of course, you have uh, you have uh, uh, just an example, just one example, <clears throat> to show you how how that it works in everyday life. You know, we have in our nation today, we have. Uh, We've had a tremendous increase of uh, of uh, radical crimes. I'm going to call them school shootings and uh, school violence, and 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 you know people doing uh, various things like that. And and people look on and say, why? You know, why? Why? I can't figure it out. Why would somebody do something like that? You know. And we sit here and we say, well, duh. Think. Sit them in front of a video game. Sit them in front of a TV with all sorts of violence. Sit them in front of a video game with virtual reality where you're pulling levers and pushing buttons and shooting people down and think they're not going to go out in society and do that very thing. That is what happened to the human race. They look through a welding helmet. They cannot discern. They cannot understand. Think about all, all the, all the uh, filth that Hollywood has brought into our nation. You can trace every broken home back to Hollywood's filth. You can trace every hurting child, every... Uh, a single parent child, every, every, uh, you know, you trace it back to the filth of Hollywood. And yet our people will sit here and try to figure out why is this happening? Why can't people stay together? Why is everybody getting divorced? Why are all the hurting children? It's right here. People are, are living in this, the discernment is gone. It's, it's the state of humanity outside of Christ. But, ye are children of light. Walk as children of light, he said. Walk as children of light. Uh, let's see. There, verse 8. Walk as children of light. Verse 10. Proving. What is acceptable unto the Lord. And that's uh, somewhat where we closed on last time. The word proving there could mean discernment. Discerning what is acceptable unto the Lord. So here we are as we're children of light. We've had the light of Jesus shine in our souls. Walk as children of light. Walk within the light. Discerning, understanding, having perception what is pleasing unto the Lord? We get into another verse that I didn't mention. Uh, we get into it today, which I didn't mention the last time. In verse 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're living in that circle. and We'll, we'll probably use that illustration some more today. <clears throat> 
All right, today we have um, we have a phrase here that um, we get our title from today in verse uh, 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. <clears throat> We're going to, today's title is Walking Circumspectly. If I recall correctly, we had a message titled Walk in Love in verse 2 of chapter 5 last Time we had a message, walk as children of light, and today it's walk circumspectly. <clears throat> All right. What does the word circumspectly mean? We'll begin there. Walk circumspectly. We're to walk in love, we're to walk as children of light, and we're to walk circumspectly. Uh, I don't think we need to necessarily define what walk means. Uh, as we use it in the scripture, it simply means live. <laughs> live in love. Walk in love. Live in love. Uh, this is how you live your life. Walk circumspectly. <clears throat> you know, in Ephesians... In Ephesians 2, if we go back a chapter or so, Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10, talks about how we are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This scripture speaks about uh, salvation, how we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And it puts it in perspective. We are not saved by our works, but rather we are saved and then we become His workmanship. He works out Himself in us. He begins His work. So, it's like the door that Moses was talking about. We enter in at the door. We are saved by faith through Jesus Christ. And then we begin a lifelong walk. A lifelong walk with our Lord Jesus. And, you know, that walk doesn't just happen. We are not just robots who automatically do just what our Lord wants us to do. It just doesn't happen that way, does it? Didn't for me. If there's anybody here that it did happen that way, I suggest maybe you come and teach the rest of us. But we know it doesn't happen that way. We begin a walk, but we're a real person. We have a real mind that thinks. We have ideas. We live in a real world. There's temptations and there's opportunities. Some of those opportunities are good and some are not so good. Sometimes we make decisions that are... Uh, within the realm of the light, and sometimes we make decisions that get awfully close to the realm of cloudiness, darkness. That's where we find ourselves. But we are exhorted. We are His workmanship. Him working in us. And of course, that takes some kind of response from us as well. So as we're walking this, this, uh, this journey of life with our Lord, He is working in us. But it it requires a response on our part as He works. 
There's, there's, uh, we're actively involved. In other words, we're not just coasting along. We're actively involved. <clears throat> and that's why he exhorts us to walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly gives the, this idea. It expresses that accuracy which is the outcome of carefulness. Walk circumspectly. Accuracy, which is the outcome of carefulness. Now, if, uh, if our, if the leaders of our nation would have walked circumspectly in years gone by, they would have looked at, uh, at, uh, the, uh, the filth of Hollywood and seeing what it's going to do to this nation and they would have forbid it. Now, I don't know if they could have done it. <laughs> we live in a crazy world. But if they'd have walked circumspectly, let's suppose they would have. They would have walked, they would have walked carefully. They would have had an accuracy. In other words, they'd have come down the road 50 years and they'd have looked back to a decision made 50 years earlier or a succession of decisions and they'd have been happy with the results. Today, who's happy with the results? I guarantee you not many people are. And it's because there was no circumspect decisions being made. No carefulness and no accuracy because of carefulness. Careful thought, careful consideration and careful uh, uh, moves. <clears throat> so it uh, it uh, while God is working in us, there is yeah we're just not robots. We have to make decisions. You know the Spirit of God is here. We're walking in the light, and the Spirit of God. We'll talk more about that later. But it's there to influence and to prompt and to motivate. But on the other side of that is us. And our decisions and our, what we do and how, how we perceive and what we understand and decisions we make. <clears throat> There's no autopilot in the Christian life. Technology is good, but it's not quite that good yet, is it? Where it can give us as Christians an autopilot and we can just breeze through Christian life. <clears throat> Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. And so Jesus was praying that we could live within this realm. And we could live in this world, right in the middle of a world that is in darkness, but that, he, that God would keep us from the evil. So this morning, let's spend a little bit of time and look at a few points on a circumspect walk. The first one I'd like to talk about, we find in uh, verse 17 here of our text today, where he says, uh, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. First point I'd like to make, in a circumspect walk, it is important that we understand what the will of the Lord is. Be not unwise. You know, the statement doesn't hold true that uh, ignorance is bliss. Probably doesn't in 
most situations, unless it's uh, unless it's uh, the situation where uh, the lady took the butter to the to the little uh, country store and and a mouse had she had found a mouse in her butter and she went to the country store and told the, the the guy that what happened and she says what you don't know don't hurt you would you just take my pound of butter and uh, put it uh, exchange it and give me another pound of butter and the person who who eats it won't know it so it won't hurt him and and uh, uh, since I know it I can't eat it well so he takes the butter and goes out back and. Uh, I guess redesigns it a little bit, presses it into a different type of mold, maybe, and brings it back out and gives her the butter. So ignorance was okay there, wasn't it? <laughs> but ignorance is not bliss uh, in the sense of uh, in most aspects of life. There's probably certain situations where it's good we don't know everything. But uh, in this case, he says, be not unwise. In Romans uh, 12, verse 2, Paul exhorts us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Understanding what the will of the Lord is, is what we're talking about. And this scripture says it well, be not, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if you, if you, uh, if you uh, would look at Romans 12 at face value and it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Okay, now, how do we, where do we start? We want to be transformed. We want our mind to be uh, renewed. Where do we start? Should we get a reader's digest and begin reading? Will that transform our mind? Uh, you know, let's say we're a, we're a, a Roman, a, a, one of those uh, citizens from Rome. We were in un, very un. Greek ungodly nation, and we don't we didn't have a much of a Bible teaching, and and so we became a believer, and and we love the Lord Jesus, but our understanding is very 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 minimal, and so uh, we read this scripture that Paul writes, this letter that was sent, and we read it, and he says, uh, you know, don't be conformed to this world, don't be pressed into their mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, where do we start? How do we renew our minds? I think we probably know the answer. Where do we look first? To the Scriptures. To the Word of God. The renewing of our mind. That we may prove, that, and again, that we may discern, that we may understand what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Colossians. Let's turn there just a few pages back. Colossians. Chapter 1. Paul writing to the believers at Colossae says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience, and long-suffering with joyfulness. Notice the succession that is happening in that scripture. He, uh, here again, he is desiring that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. 
He's not wanting them to be ignorant concerning the will of God and concerning God's will for the life of the believer. He's not wanting them to be ignorant. He's wanting them to have an understanding that uh, they would be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Um, Yeah, He just simply wants them to have a real good grasp on what God's will is for the Christian and how to live in this world as a believer. And then He says in verse 10, uh, we could say this is one of the purposes for it, if they have that understanding that they might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. See, it begins with an understanding. If, there's going, if they're going to please the Lord in everything they do and they're going to be fruitful in all good works, it, it, it's going to be happening because they have an understanding of what the will of God is. And that's what we want. That's what we need, an understanding of God's will. So that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, that we would be fruitful in every good work, and we increasing in the knowledge of God. And then what happens? Strengthened with might. Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. <clears throat> and so the result is, and I think we would all agree, that as we walk with God and we walk in the will of God, we're strengthened. There's a strengthening that takes place. I think we all agree and understand too that when we walk outside of the will of God, we turn away or we habitually are missing the mark, there's a weakening takes place. It just, our strength is gone. So understanding what the will of God is. If we're going to walk circumspectly, we need to have an understanding of the will of God. And it will come through studying the word. Psalm 119 verse 9. Some of you could probably quote it. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. In 2 Timothy, I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures there. 2 Timothy chapter 2, or chapter 3, first of all. Second Timothy 3, verse 14 to 17. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Sounds very much like what we were been talking about, right? The, be, uh, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How does that happen? By the Scriptures. By studying, by reading, by getting an understanding of God's heart and will. And by discerning and, and living out that uh, which we've understood. <clears throat> and of course, in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 15, Paul exhorts Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, Rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's important. To have an understanding. A well-rounded understanding of the word of God and of the will of God. 
so that we might walk circumspectly. That we can look back 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years down the road and be happy with what, where we've come to. Be happy with where our children have come to, eh? Walking circumspectly. To be uh, able to rejoice in the outcome of our decisions and, and our own personal walk and its effect on the lives of others and our lives of our family and, and uh, extended family. <clears throat> so, an understanding of what the will of the Lord is. You know, I don't know about you, but I remember when I first... I can't, I, I won't, I, I, I can't really say when I first became a Christian because I became a Christian when I was a, a young teen. But I, I, I lost my way with God for a number of years in my youthful years. And at 24 maybe, I think it was 24, when God got a hold of my heart through some revival tent meetings in our community and awakened me to my deep need and, and got me back on track. And I remember the, 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 the hunger to know and understand the will of God. And, and of course, you know, reading the scriptures and, and, and coming in from work at times, uh, working on the farm uh, five minutes till supper's ready, and I get out the Bible and read and search. And, you know, uh, have, you ever, have you ever noticed that uh, it's, you can lose that kind of hunger? That kind of desire, that kind of earnestness. I don't always have it like that. Uh, sometimes wish I did. But uh, may we nurture that kind of a hunger, that kind of a desire to understand the will of God, to, under, to search it out, and to uh, uh, let the Word of God speak into our lives and and come to it with an open heart and say, okay, what does this mean? What does God mean by this particular scripture? And what does this look like if a person actually lives it out the way God desired it to be lived out? And allow our hearts to be challenged. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Walking circumspectly. We need to keep moving. Second point we'd like to consider is walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 of chapter 5. Scripture says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on uh, talking about not being drunk with wine. But uh, I would like to talk a little bit about the matter of influence. You know, obviously, being under the influence of alcohol is not a good thing. But you know, there's actually a lot of things that we can be under the influence of. More than just alcohol. <clears throat> we'll consider some of those things. You know, when a person, we're warned not to be dr- uh, under the influence of alcohol, wine, or strong drinks. And the reason for it is uh, the influence of strong drink. There's probably lots of reasons, but here's some of them. The influence of strong drink take away a person's reason, take away their discernment, take away their rationale. Uh, just it just it, it affects them in big ways when they're under the influence of alcohol. People do horrible things. People uh, uh, 
you know, and it affects different people differently, I guess. I, I've actually, I don't know if I've ever been, you know, right around a person who was, you know, drunk and carrying on. I've seen it a few times, but, uh, you know, responses are delayed and accidents happened and because uh, people aren't coherent. So, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be under the influence of alcohol, but... Be under the influence of the Spirit. And we want to we we spend some time on that. But before we get to being under the influence of the Spirit, let's consider a few other things that um, we might be under the influence of. You know, when we walk under the influence of something, that something controls us. That something affects uh, our decisions. That something affects our uh, discernment. That something affects... Uh, everything we do, basically, when we are walking under the influence of it. Uh, let's take a look at a, uh, a situation where a person was walking under the influence of prosperity. It's found in Luke 12. I suppose... That's a subject that would come kind of close home to us in this land. But let's just consider it from this perspective. In Luke 12, verse 16, it's the parable of this uh, rich man. And maybe we'll just read it here. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall all these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now this person, uh, it's evident that he was uh, walking under the influence of prosperity. And that influence was uh, affecting his decisions and his perspective majorly. He, uh, he, he, uh, he looked at it as, uh, as uh, he's got it made. He's got it good. His, he is set. He's, he's going to uh, lay this stuff up and he's going to enjoy the rest of life with not a lot of work and lay toil. And uh, he was making his decisions based on the influence of his prosperity. You know, that's pretty easy to do, isn't it? To get into the place where we make our decisions based on the influence of prosperity. Uh, I'm not sure. Can we live in this land a plenty, and not wrestle with that. I think we probably do. Maybe we. Maybe it takes us over, takes us over more than we realize. But it is an influence, and it uh, it can affect our decisions. It can, uh, and uh, it can begin to control our lives, and it can control how we live, and how we uh, what we do with our money, and and uh, what we do with our time, and. And how we view others, uh, perhaps even others who uh, don't have as much as we do, who are not as successful as we are, and all those kind of things. And it begins to 
the influence of prosperity. Turning our hearts away from... Uh, there's another scripture where Jesus is speaking about the, the word falling on the ground and, and some of the ground, it was choked out by the cares of life. And again, thinking of, of uh, uh, the influence of prosperity. <clears throat> it's a very real influence. You know, God warned the children of Israel, and I did not look up the scripture, I know, uh, I know the thought, He warned them that when they get into the promised land and when it goes well with them and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're blessed with an abundance, he warned them that they don't forget God. The influence of prosperity. God realized that potential before it ever happened. He realized that he takes them into this land. He's going to give them a land that is flowing with milk and honey. The crops are going to grow. They're going to be better crops than they've ever seen in their life. They're going to have so much. And he says, now when this happens, be careful that you don't forget me who gave it to you in the first place. It's the influence of prosperity. And we can. We can easily get caught in that. Let's consider the influence of another problematic thing. And uh, this one is the influence of fear. Think about it. Have we ever been under the influence of fear? Second Timothy. Paul has a, an exhortation for us. In chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And if we were to take that scripture and uh, kind of consider those different aspects of it, we realize that when we're living under the spirit of fear, when it, that is under the influence of fear, then we're probably going to be lacking in the power and the love and on the clear thinking, the sound mind, the clear discernment, when we're living in the uh, influence of fear. Fear clouds our discernment and our understanding. And we probably miss many opportunities because of fear. You know, opportunities to be a blessing to someone, opportunities to minister to someone, opportunities to share our faith. I'm going to guess that most of us have come up against that. I do. Fear. Afraid to to uh, share with others. <clears throat> In 1 John 4.18 the Apostle John tells us that fear hath torment. And from that we can conclude that fear is a brutal companion to live with. It really is. Fear hath torment. Fear is a brutal companion to live with. You know, fear and faith are, uh, I think we can say they're opposites. And maybe we can say they're as different as night and day. Uh, Fear and faith. We can't have faith if we have fear. 
And we shouldn't have fear if we have faith. Is that right? From a scriptural equation. <clears throat> if we have faith, then fear shouldn't have room. Of course, uh, John, First John tells us that perfect love casts out fear. So maybe uh, he's comparing it with love. I'm comparing it with faith a bit. So the challenge for us is to not be controlled or under the influence of fear, but to be under the influence of the Spirit of God. And that is a that is a challenge. I uh, I think sometimes in more serious cases of fear, it's something that uh, you know we even need to renounce as unbelief in God. Uh, and as a stronghold that binds us, as a uh, because its influence controls us in every in in so many aspects, and I believe it's one of those things that God does want to set us free if we're if we're living in the clutches of fear. Uh, God wants to set us free from the influence and from its clutches. Another influence that is very prevalent in our lives and uh, can be a a challenge for us is the influence of the world. Familiar scriptures again, Romans 12.2, which we read, Be not conformed to this world. 1 John 2.15, familiar words, Love not the world. It's uh, the influence that... uh, comes our way, I believe Revelation speaks of being drunk with Babylon, and Babylon is a type of the world. Uh, it's just, uh, it's where we live. Jesus, remember the prayer of Jesus, I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. And from that statement alone, we recognize that the world is an evil. <laughs> That's wanting to invade in Upon us, and so we are. Uh, we do well to be careful concerning the influence of the world around us. And I'm not going to take the time today to define that. Uh, that would be a message in itself. But you know, we know. We've uh, probably spoke of those things in messages before. You know, the world has its multitudes of ways in which it tries to invade the life of the believer. Uh, just a multitude. And, you know, when we are walking through Walmart, we are walking through the world. There's all sorts of uh, stuff that is being coughed up by this world that is be- being uh, offered us. And, uh, you know, we need to, you know, we need to realize we're, we're living in the light. What does the world have to offer us anyhow? What does the world have to offer us that is more fulfilling and is better for us and has more lasting joy and lasting effects than Christ? Tell me. Nothing. Nothing. So we can be living under the influence of the world. Probably one of the big ones is its music, is, is, is the way it gets its inroads into people's lives. But I said I'm not going to 
define that one, so we'll move on. Next one I'd like to consider is the influence of ungodly friends. A proverb writer tells us in Proverbs 22, verse 24 and 25, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. And then the next verse tells us why. Lest thou learn of his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Now, when the proverb writer, he, he, he uh, used the term an angry man and a furious man, I'm wondering if there'd be other terms that could well be put in there. I think there could be. Uh, make no friendship with a pervert. Lest thou learn of his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Make no friendship with uh, those perverts on that computer screen. Lest thou get a snare to thy soul. We, there's, there, you know, that's a principle. And all we'd, we, we can put in there any kind of strong evil influence. Perverted influence. Influence that is departed from God. And we can put it in its place there. Have no, uh, the influence of ungodly friends. You know, we, uh, what is that saying? We, in five years, the people we meet and the books we read, what's the rest of that? Who has it? <laughs> it's been thrown around here a few times. You got it. Lyndon has it. Earl has it. <laughs> We're, we are, we are who we are. I, I forget it. Somebody throw it out for me. Five years. Five years from now, the only difference you'll be is the people you meet in the books you read. So, have no friendship with an angry man. <clears throat> no fellowship. There are no friendships with uh, ungodly friends. Well, I, I think you realize quite well we could go on with a list. You know, there's a whole lot of things we could talk about as far as influence. And... Uh, but the scripture tells us there in Ephesians, that um, we're not to be drunk with wine, not to be under the influence of wine, but to be under, to be filled with the Spirit. And if we're filled with the Spirit, then we're going to be under the influence of the Spirit, right? That's a, uh, we can, I think we can take that as a given here. Uh, I realize it's not always that simple. I wish it was. I wish you could just get filled with the Spirit and from there you just lived everything right. But it doesn't always go quite that easily. But let's think about it a little bit. When we walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you know, what we give room to is what is going to fill us. And what fills us is what is going to control us. Is going to have the influence upon us. So we want to have the Spirit filling us and uh, having its influence. Let's turn to Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 8. And we'll just skim across that a bit and look at a few verses regarding the Spirit. <clears throat> 
Romans 8 verse 5 says this, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So, you know, we are uh, born again and we have, uh, we have the Spirit of God within us. And we're, we're, uh, we're living in the light. You know, the, if the Spirit of God is within us, it's that light. It's the light of Christ shining in our soul. And it gives us, uh, it gives us that discernment. Things become clear. Now, here he tells us in verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So, if, in fact, the Spirit of God is living within us, then that, uh, and, and we want to walk in that Spirit, we're going to have to mind the Spirit. We're going to have to have a heart and a mind that is, is turned that way, is, is uh, focused that direction, toward the Spirit. We're living in flesh, and flesh would like to become the dominating factor and be the, be the thing that calls the shots in our lives and be the thing that controls us. But if we're going to walk in the flesh, the Spirit won't have His room, won't have His place. And so, uh, we're exhorted to hear that uh, if, we, uh, if we're in the Spirit, then we will walk after the Spirit. We will pursue the, the, the Spirit, uh, having the Spirit uh, controlling our lives and, and uh, so forth. In... Um, in verse 1 of chapter 8, the scripture tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Same thought. Those who are in Christ, who, yeah, we're living in flesh, and flesh would like to control us, but we walk not after the flesh, we walk after the Spirit. And... Uh, this, we give the Spirit this, its, its room to guide us and to uh, influence us. In verse uh, 9 through verse 13, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And that's pretty simple and easy to understand. You know, we are not in the flesh if... The Spirit of God is within us. And of course, if we don't have the Spirit of God, then we're not Christ. Verse uh, 10, continuing. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's a beautiful scripture and we can, we can kind of illustrate that here. You know, we are, uh, if, uh, if the Spirit, we're, we're, uh, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. In other words, uh, we're, you know, as Christians, we, and we have the Spirit of God within us, uh, this scripture, you know, makes it clear that it's not a, just an automatic, you know, you, you, you just don't automatically walk in the Spirit. You don't just automatically uh, do what the Spirit says. We have, a, we have a response 
to give to the Spirit that is dwelling within us. And that is to uh, to walk in it. To walk in its promptings. To walk in its guidance. To walk in its power and its instruction. And, uh, and while we're doing that, we recognize that we're living in flesh and in a real world. And there's always those opportunities to divert and to follow the flesh. To follow uh, the world. But we're exhorted here what will happen if we do that. Uh, if we, uh, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Uh, we can't be a Christian walking with God and be filled with His Spirit and just living after our fleshly desires. It's not a possibility. Uh, we, if we're going to be walking with God, if we're going to be filled with His Spirit, then the Spirit of God needs to be we need to be giving it room to work and to guide and to inspire and instruct and to, and to lead us and to help us and empower us to, uh, to overcome the opposition that uh, our flesh and the world bring us, <clears throat> the world around us, to be an overcomer. So, walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Just like this scripture gives us. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit. And what I get from that is simply that, uh, you know, he will empower us to live a godly life in this vessel of flesh. He'll empower us to do that. He'll raise us up to, uh, to live a godly life in uh, a body that is often beset with temptations. <clears throat> All right, moving on. We'll leave behind that, uh, that thought of uh, being under the influence of the Holy Spirit and uh, not under the influence of other things. We'll, we'll jump back to verse, uh, pick up at uh, verse uh, 11, just briefly here. As we think about walking circumspectly, we need to walk under the influence of the Spirit if we're going to walk circumspectly. And now we'd like to also consider something else here in verse uh, 11. He says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Uh, we may have uh, touched on that some uh, in uh, as we talked about being under the influence of different things, but we'll just make a point of it here. You know, when we think about darkness, Romans 1 gives a, a real uh, good uh, analysis of darkness being uh, verse 28, and, the, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate minds to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. 
I read all of that to get to that last phrase. Obviously, we read it to get a perspective of, of the ungodliness. But the last phrase says, not only that do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And that drives the point home pretty close, doesn't it? You know, have no fellowship, as Ephesians says, with the unfruitful works of darkness. You know, maybe we would pride ourselves in not being participants in the unfruitful works of darkness. But are we uh, taking pleasure in the unfruitful works of darkness? That can be easily done in our world today. Corinthians 6 verse 14 Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness. And in uh, Thessalonians I believe it's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 5. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. They that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet, the hope of salvation. You know, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. You know, really... Our fellowship does have boundaries, doesn't it? The scripture actually gives us some boundaries here. We have fellowship with people and with, you know, various, uh, but when it comes to darkness and the works of darkness, there has, the believer, there should be a clear line where the believer won't step across in fellowshipping with the works of darkness. And, uh, you know, would to God that line would be maybe a little clearer at times in our minds. But uh, again, I, I, I take us back to uh, to uh, the electronic age we live in. You can be fellowshipping with somebody you never saw, other than maybe an image on a computer. Somebody you never met. Let me say it that way. You can be fellowshipping. You can. I believe you can fellowship with a with a with a uh, a. Uh, a music artist by listening to his music and getting into his music. You know what I mean? Driving down the road and this jazzy beady stuff comes on and you start rocking with it. You're having fellowship with this guy that was up there in the stage rocking away. You know. Think about it. There should be lines we won't cross over. There's lines where our fellowship stops. The unfruitful works of darkness. <clears throat> And don't be ashamed of that. You know, we should never be ashamed of the fact that uh, we're we're of the light. We're of the light, and we're not we're not interested in stepping into the king camp of darkness and fellowshipping in. The, and I think you understand and know me well enough to know that uh, you know going into cities and ministering and, and witnessing and sharing the faith and. Having Bible studies, that's not what we're talking about. You know, rubbing shoulders with the ungodly, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, uh, well, let's, uh, let's say it this way. Uh, let's say you're going into the city, going into Pottsville, and you're, you're, uh, you're witnessing, and you're sharing your, f- and, and, and one night you just come to have a Bible study, and a guy says, oh, there's a real good show on TV tonight, it's on right now. I'd like to watch it. Hey, just sit down here with me and watch it. We'll watch it. So you all sit down and watch the show with the guy. And it's, and it's an ungodly show. Okay? Now, what did you just do? 
you fellowshiped with ungodliness, with darkness. See, there's the difference. <clears throat> All right, moving on here. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You know, we should treat all humans with respect, kindness, and love. But our fellowship has boundaries based on truth. Fellowship has boundaries. All right, moving on. Ephesians 5, verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you're going to walk circumspectly, we need to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. And I think that is what this verse is alluding to. You know, what is the purpose of speaking to yourself or ourselves? I think it can be either way there, but uh, what's the purpose? What does speaking do? What is speaking doing right now? What am I doing by speaking to you? Am I putting you to sleep? <laughs> well, for, for at least for some of you. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say it that way. But for some of you, I'm keeping you focused, right? You're focused on here. I know, I, I know some of your eyes go out the windows and some of you just go like this. But some of you are focused. Speaking keeps you focused. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We live in a world around us that is continually trying to pull our focus. And we've got flesh that is trying to pull our focus in a given direction. Speaking keeps you focused. And what are we speaking? We're speaking spiritual things, songs, hymns, things that are... uh, uh, inspiring to our hearts and it keeps us focused. It brings our hearts into the focus. And so uh, we're exhorted to speak to ourselves. You know, a wandering mind is generally not a good thing where we just allow our mind to be a wandering mind. But rather to keep a mind that is focused and guide our thoughts into uh, uh, inspiring and profitable and true things. Let's just... Uh, Take a quick look at Psalm 73. We'll take a look at a person whose mind almost got off focus. Psalm 73. I'm going to read verses 1 to 5. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. This guy's being honest. He almost lost his way. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is confirmed. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Notice how uh, the the uh, the writer here was uh, he, he lost his focus. He was looking around him, and he was seeing the prosperity of the wicked, and he was seeing that they're they're living wickedly, and there don't seem to be any consequences, any results, or any yeah bad results. And oh, it shook him for a bit. Let's read on. In uh, he makes some more statements in the next number of verses concerning 
the wicked. And then in verse 12, we'll pick up again. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I shall offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. This whole thing that he was focusing on was becoming almost overwhelming. Verse 17, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Okay, now he gets focused again. Goes into the house of God. Gets, you know, gets his heart into the Word of God and gets, uh, gets his focus on God, thinks about eternity, and all of a sudden, it all makes sense again. Focus. It was focused again. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs helps us stay focused. Focused on the Lord. Focused on the true perspective. Focused on uh, God and and uh, his his uh, ways and his and when we stay focused, then his spirit can uh, continue to work in us. All right, back to Ephesians five. <clears throat> Going to wrap this up real quickly here. Like to just make a comment here on verse uh, 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speak of an attitude of gratitude, and you already had that lesson. Josh gave it. I didn't. I don't have time for it, so we're good this morning. You know, it's it's easy to give thanks when things go well. Can we give thanks when things don't go as well? Jesus said in the world, you shall have tribulation, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We can expect this life to mete out things that are less than pleasant at times. And I think the writer is exhorting us uh, to be thankful at those times as well. And to give thanks. Again, we could say it's focus. You know, we can focus on the problem, we can focus on what went wrong, we can focus on what didn't turn out right, or... We can recognize that God is God, and He can, He can make you know He can uh, uh, make good come out of a bad situation or whatever, and and we can thank Him for what He's going to teach us through this experience. <clears throat> All right, back to verse sixteen of Ephesians five, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, we talk about walking circumspectly. That accuracy which is the outcome of carefulness. Talk about walking in the Spirit. Talk about uh, walking in uh, faith and in confidence in the Lord. What does it mean redeeming the time? Let me ask this question. How much time is slipping away where my experience is something other than a circumspect walk? How much time is elapsing where I am living something other than a circumspect walk? Something other than a spirit-filled, spirit-led walk. Something other than a joy-filled walk. A faith-filled walk. You know, time is never given to us a second time. 
Yesterday's past. I won't get to relive that. Last week, last month, last year, last 20 years, whatever. It's past. We'll never have that to relive again. It's done. So, redeem today. Redeem the time. Seize the time that you have. And live it for the Lord. Live it in faith and in confidence. Live it in joy and in the Holy Ghost. Redeem the time. Seize the moments that are yours now. Because when they're gone, they're gone. Don't let them slip away while you are living in discouragement and in defeat. But allow your heart to rise in faith toward God and redeem the time and walk circumspectly. May God bless you all. Shall we, uh, could we kneel together if we're able? Our Father, we come to you the close of this message again just with thanksgiving to you for your word and for your spirit that uh, is our teacher. And Father, thank you for your people here this morning. And I pray that again here today, I trust and believe that your spirit has been able through the scriptures to give encouragement and edification and and, uh, exhortation, Lord. Bless us and meet us where we are, Lord, and help us in our journey. Father, we pray, uh, even as we go forth from this place, that uh, this uh, word could be inspiring, encouraging, motivating as we press on the upward way. Thank you, Lord, also this morning that we have the freedom to gather this way. We do ask, Lord, that you would continue to direct those in governments, that they would allow us the freedom to serve you. And, Lord, I pray that we would not uh, take that for granted, but that we would walk worthy of Christ. Lord, that uh, our lives would reflect that gratefulness. And, Father, we just uh, do again say thank you. Thank you for this body. Thank you for uh, bringing us together as a, as a small part of your bride. Lord, continue to lead us, inspire us, uh, keep us, uh, work in us your plan and your purposes. And give us ears to hear and hearts to understand how you want to uh, do that, Lord. Now bless us, Father, as we continue in our pilgrimage. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.